This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to BXB, the Yankees podcast from Odyssey and WFAN, along with Keith McPherson. I'm Sweeney Murdy. We're officially into full offseason mode with the World Series over Keith. Uh, and the Yankees kind of started the ball rolling for us with the press conferences last Friday. Brian Cashman, Aaron Boone, I was there, took in some of the answers. I know you um, listened and watched as well. So uh, let's start with your thoughts, first of all. I, I've got some thoughts and ideas, Keith. Um, but I have a feeling that there are a lot of unsatisfactory uh, answers based off of what came out last Friday. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you did a great job of asking questions first and foremost. You always do. And I and I saw a lot of people online uh, giving you props for the lines of questions that you dropped on them. And uh, even C-Mac, uh, our guy at WFAN, his show went on and he was I, he called out one question that that you asked. And I'll get to that in a minute because okay. it's just in the line of things. But uh, I listened to Aaron Boone on the Michael K show Thursday. So that was I, I listened to that whole thing. Yeah. And that was, you know, a, a precursor to what they were going to do Friday. Mm-hmm. And it, a lot of the same things that you heard there, you did hear. But then you get Cashman, whose uh, contract was up October 31st. And he's still working. There you go. How many? How, how many of us would keep working when our contract is up? Right? No, no one really. It's like you—you you can't even get in the building once your contract expires. Yeah. Um, like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to get paid this week. Okay, we'll, right. we'll, we'll talk, let's talk later. Payroll's yeah. like, hey, uh, we don't have you for this week, but of course, <laughs> I, I've said this since I got on WFAN. I said that's Brian Cashman's job until he doesn't want it. <laughs> it seems to be the case right now. Yeah, and it seems like he wants it. And like I, I've told you this plenty of times, uh, there are no outward signs of any any um, any friction between Hal Steinbrenner, Brian Cashman, between Brian Cashman, Aaron Boone, and it's not just. I think we have a tendency to think that this one person, this job, oversees and rules all. And it's it, the way it was explained to me just very recently too was. This is a very big group that works together, and whether it's all the assistant GMs, the coaches, and everything like that, it's not remove one and someone else comes in new. Like they all like working together and feel as if it's one cohesive unit. So it's hard to think of it as being broken up right now. Absolutely, and Brian Cashman is at the top. He's leading that group, and he's been here for years. He's fifty-five years old. He's not looking to retire anytime soon, and I don't think he's looking to work for another baseball team like you you hear people say oh well if brian cashman doesn't come back he'll have 20 other teams lining up for his services he's not trying to go anywhere else sure. uh, he, he said he said uh, you know how would like me back and i'd like to stay so that's it yeah so that's gonna that's gonna work itself out yeah so for all the fans that were talking about his contract being up uh all the fans talking about him not being the guy to lead this team into the future well sorry folks like it is what it is yeah. 
so he, were there certain questions or answers that kind of stuck out to you that you wanted to to jump to the forefront today? Sure. So you asked a question to Aaron Boone about IKF. And uh, I forget exactly, and I know you know how you worded it, but you you used IKF's words speaking about himself. And yeah. Boone was just so quick to defend IKF because he, that's what they've been doing all season. Uh, that's what they're prepared to do, right? You could tell how prepared they were. Um, and I think you said something along the lines of like, wait, those were his words. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not – that's yeah, like. He- he came out and said that this is the worst defense I've ever played. It was in July, August. He said that to the coaches. Uh, he said it to Travis Chapman, the infield coach, and they they worked on some things to do extra work. And he told me that story, I think, the first week in August, early in August. He told me that story shortly after the trade deadline. Um, so it was – you know, it, it wasn't lost on Isaiah Kiner-Falefa that he had struggled defensively. But my question was along the lines of, you know, they eventually came to the idea of using Oswald Peraza in the playoffs. But, you know, in July and August, he was deemed by the organization as not being ready to do that or that wasn't the right move for them to do. It eventually became the right move for them to do. So I was just kind of wondering, like, did Peraza do something differently to elevate himself? Was there something he wasn't doing in July and August that wasn't that was considered not good enough for the big league level? Uh, and there, there are different lists. I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on that. But go ahead. That's the question that you wanted to talk about. That was one of them. And um, along the lines of that, I feel like the Yankees will never admit that they gave in to outside pressure, that they did hear the outside noise mm-hmm. um, because they were hard pressed in their IKF being the shortstop, being the stopgap. Right. And fans were screaming every time they saw Oswald Peraza hit a home run or make a web gem, call him up, bring this kid up. They, fans were doing that in June, July, August and uh, they didn't call him up until the team needed a spark, right? Well, now what they well, no, they called him up in September. He was he was a September call up. It was really nothing to do with being a spark. Yeah, so actually um, Oswald Oswaldo Cabrera was came the spark. Up first. Yeah, because and that well, was, was just a September well. call up. Yeah. yeah. Cabrera came up because the, you know I think the Benintendi injury is what caused Cabrera to come up and move into different spots. Uh, I could be wrong in the timeline there. But um, you know, I, I think what it came down to Peraza, and then I was getting this, I was getting mixed signals from people outside the organization who were watching Peraza said, look, he's, he can play shortstop in the big leagues. Uh, he'll figure out how to hit. And for the Yankees, I think there was some trepidation because you had about a two month window here. And if he struggled at all, um, it would have been hard to pick him back up off of that because there were inconsistencies in his game that they were um, trying to, to fill out throughout the final part of the triple a season. Well, you know, using Jeremy Pena as an example, you know, he looks great right now, right? MVP of the ALCS and the world series. You think, well, this could have been your Oswald Peraza. Pena struggled mightily in July and August of this year. He had a big slump in July and August. And that's something that he had to overcome that he had the luxury of doing it because he had a full season. If you, have about 50 games and say, here's your shortstop. And he struggles for the first 10 or 15. You don't have a lot of rope to, to keep kind of getting him through that. And I think that's at least part of a concern. I'm not saying that's the right answer to not do it, but I think part of a concern is that you were dealing with less of a timeline there for a kid who had not played in the big leagues and still had in their minds, some inconsistencies to his game. Jeremy Pena. I know, I know there's a lot of Yankee fans drawing parallels between him being a rookie, but Always got to add that he's 25 years old. He went to college. Yeah. Yeah. He's not, you know, he's not your average rookie. Um, When you think about judge coming up, judge was, you know, more like 
uh, a Jeremy Pena. Judge was 25, 26 coming yeah, up and uh, went to Fresno State and had that time. So I don't know. I, I think that, uh, you know, moving on from the IKF stuff, I think that they they have to build up IKF. I think them even leaving the door open and saying there'll be a competition, like going into the offseason, anything can happen. They're going to check on everything. Maybe they're able to deal IKF. Maybe they love IKF and want to keep them. Maybe they let Peraza battle for the spot. Maybe Volpe gets some reps in there. I don't know. Moving on from IKF, though, is Josh Donaldson. They're married to him. I don't think anybody else wants him. Uh, at that price tag, that's something they signed up for, and he's got another year on that deal. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Josh Donaldson playing third base. And I expect the Yankees to – um, really be on him this offseason, be working with him this offseason. Uh, they kind of alluded to the fact that he came in late because of the lockout. Um, well, they, they, they um, yeah, well, a little bit to them because they made the trade for him after the lockout ended, which means right. it was a spring training that already started, right? So, and the shortened spring training already started. I, I listen, I, I think there are a lot of things with Donaldson that he, listen, this was not, first of all, this wasn't the player he was last year, okay? He was a good player last year. He was not a good player this year. Okay. Mm -hmm. He never quite caught on. Did age all of a sudden catch up? Did he go from 35 to 36 and all of a sudden everything slowed down? There are signs that that was the case. I frankly, despite the price tag, Keith, I frankly would be surprised if he is the third baseman starting next year. Um, I think that that's a big dollar number for them to swallow. But I think if they're interested in moving forward here, that's probably something that they have to consider as far as how they positively framed Donaldson or Isaiah Conifaletha. You know, this shouldn't come as a surprise. And I know it, it, it sets off everybody on socials and or on talk shows or whatever, but they're not in the business of publicly ripping players. Right. They just aren't. Even when, guys, even when guys don't hustle or something like that, they'll frame it differently. But the old days of just having a manager fly off and say something that ends up as – their job is to um, – insulate the team from distractions to not cause distractions. Right. So having a manager publicly rip a player is going to feed that. That's what they're trying to avoid. That doesn't mean they don't do it in private, but the message they're giving up publicly is always going to toe that line, Keith. And as maddening as that might be, just I think it's important for us to remember that doesn't necessarily mean that's what they're saying behind closed doors. So, you know, what they say and what they end up doing are two separate things. And here we are in this winter, in this offseason. And if you ask me as a fan, last year they looked at where they needed to get better, right? Mm -hmm. Catcher, for sure. So they were dead set on finding a trade partner for Gary Sanchez. Who knows who they spoke with, but where they ended up and what they landed on was Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela for IKF, Donaldson, and Ben Rortvet. Now, going into this offseason – Third base and uh, shortstop are two spots that you need to get better. Mm. Um, I know Josh Donaldson defensively is up there, but at the plate, he was hard to watch. At, yeah. the, at the plate, he did not give you what you signed up for. You thought he was going to have more pop. Down. All his numbers across the board were the worst of his career. And if you look at things like exit velo, like he, he, he looked he – stri strikeout percentage, walk percentage, all those things didn't work in his favor. It looked like it, it was the worst year of his career, and it looked like he had just gotten older. 36-year-old Josh Donaldson going on 37, going into next year. I remember having shows on WFAN um, the week that that trade went down, and I said, what version of Josh Donaldson do they think they're getting? 
Do they think they're getting 2016 Josh Donaldson or even 2021 Josh Donaldson? Listen, 2021 I said, Josh Donaldson would have been fine, Keith. Would have, would have. And that that had to be what they were thinking when they made the deal for that much mm-hmm. money, to take that much money on. But you yeah. ended up getting the 36-year-old version of Josh Donaldson who just didn't have it when you needed it. And yeah. you batted him clean up. You batted him fifth. You put him in the middle of the order a well, bunch of times. That was also a product of, injuries. Uh, of the injuries that happened. And everybody hates this, okay, Keith? But listen, there are reasons and there are excuses, okay? Listen, injuries are reasons, okay? When you're not putting your best team on the floor, I thought of this last night. Uh, you might be too young for this. Have you saw, seen the movie, movie Hoosiers? Uh, no, but I'm, I'm aware of it. I mean, I know it's Indiana Hoosiers basketball. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose a lot of people with, with this. But, <laughs> um, you know, the coach is going to get fired in the middle of the season because his, you know, every, the whole town thinks his team stinks. Well, part of the reason his team stinks is because the best player isn't playing. Okay? When the best player comes back into play, all of a sudden his team is a state championship contender. Your best players have to play. And as a general manager in this league told me one time, there is no contingency plan for your best players. And I'm sorry if you think losing DJ LeMahieu and Andrew Benintendi to injuries are excuses, but it is a reason, and it is a legitimate reason. When you're putting subpar play, it's if those two players were healthy, they would not be sitting on the bench. Your best lineup would not be with those two guys on the bench. It would be with them in the lineup. So when you are putting a an inferior lineup on there, I'm sorry, it's not going to be as good. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, and missing DJ hurt. Missing Ben Benintendi definitely hurt. You traded for the guy you got one month out of him in the regular season. DJ is a guy that you paid six years, $90 million, and he's missed the last two Octobers. He's missed the last two yeah, postseasons. That's, that's a hard investment. Sucks. As a fan, it sucks. But there are fans that are going to say, that's on Brian Cashman for how he built out this roster and who he has on this team. Okay, but, but okay you're right, but let's be fair. He built the roster with those two good players in mind. And when they get hurt, you don't have equivalence to those two players. No like organization. Said, there's, there's, no, there's no contingency plan, but that's not good enough for a Yankees fan who's like, hey, we're rolling uh, th- with this team into the postseason, right? This is a team that in the beginning of the year, they were comparing to 1998. They were on pace to win X amount of games. Like, how come you didn't have contingency plans? It's tough, though. It's, it's, it's just the way that. that it shakes out. It's not yeah. It's you not what anybody could have predicted. You can't have all-star-level players ready to replace all-star-level players. Right. That just doesn't happen. I mean, that's why you end up with Oswaldo Cabrera, who goes through some ups and downs, look pretty good, had a you know a pretty good Got to play Aaron Hicks. You yeah. got to move pieces yeah. around, and right. you're making it up on the fly in the high-pressure situation. Josh Donaldson. Right. Like yeah. you, you've got it. You don't have enough pieces to take out all the bad ones. You kind of got to have to move along with them. It's not an easy thing to do, but that was not the the problem is it was not the same team that started the season. It was not the same roster. The curse of Joey Gallo. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> uh, but, what else from the press conference? So um, the 2004 stuff with the Red Sox. I thought that was interesting. And Cashman's response, I know he he was so prepared for that, uh, you know, to tell people like 
you know, you need to look inward or something he said about like, if, if you have a problem with that, like, of course, we all have a problem with that. But like that wasn't, you know, that wasn't as big of a thing. It it was a bigger thing to the fans. Of course. Yes. The players, I don't think that really affected I them. I don't think they went out there with, you know, clips running through their brain of the Yankees losing four straight. Uh, what else came out of that? I know I have some notes on that. I just I just didn't really care for the whole thing. Right. I, I watched the first 15 minutes and it was so boring. I'm like, this is this is so boring. Like, well, here's, Keith, you're not going. Here's the other thing about it. Like, I understand. One, you're not going to get any satisfactory answers because the team lost and you're like, no answers are going to satisfy you. You're not going to get firings right there. OK, we've we've already gone through that and explained that. Um, and they're not ready to divulge to you the full plan for next season because that hasn't materialized that you don't know. You have to let the offseason play out to see who you can sign, who you can trade, all that other stuff. That stuff cannot be laid out for you on November 3rd or 4th or whatever the day was. You just there are no satisfactory answers. And really, this became it's it's something more of an informational press conference to gather information and kind of frame the the next couple of weeks worth of stories as we get going. But instead, it's turned into here's the TV show. Please explain to us why you lost. And I'm going to throw something <laughs> at the TV every time you give me an answer, because none of it's going to be any good. That's really not a great bar to set. Yeah, no, nothing is, is going to be good enough in, uh, you know this postseason day off from the world series speak for yourselves press conference. And, uh, you know, I don't know I, the things that I got out of it. Other than that, uh, they talked about the three true outcomes with Cashman and they said that the Yankees lead the league. And I don't know who asked that. Um, I can't remember, but I have a note about like how Cashman responded to like, like what's the three true outcome yeah. rate. <laughs> yeah. Right. is that a metric that like baseball is using now what teams lead in the three true outcomes we all know the three true outcomes we didn't know that there was a stat for like who had the highest rate yeah yeah and listen i i think and the other thing i think about this is like it becomes really until they make moves it always becomes this they're gonna run it back they're gonna run it back right and it's this just becomes a thing and it's really not a thing it's just that, you know, you and I are speaking on November 7th, okay? Yeah, the team is the exact same on November 7th as it was because you you haven't made any moves yet and nothing starts yet. You know, it is a long off season, and this is not NFL free agency where it lasts a week or NBA free agency where it lasts a week and you've got to pounce on guys. This is a much longer offseason plan, and they're not going to divulge to you, we're going to sign this guy, that guy, that guy. So it does give the impression that, you are using the same thing, but use your brains and look at every other off season. They don't simply run it back. Okay. A lot of the pieces are there. Sure. That's the, you, you don't just destroy the whole team, but there are incremental upgrades. They try to make every year and we'll judge them as they come up, but to sit here and think that they are not going to make any changes and that they're just going to run it back. Well, it's, it's just kind of a silly thought because that's never the case. And I think they expressed how close they do feel. Close isn't good enough for the fan base, but they were one of the last four teams standing. Uh, again, a, a season where they could have won 100 games. They were a game away from uh, being another 100-win team, and they won the division. They don't win a division every year. Um, they they did win a division, so I think they feel like they're close. When I listened to Boone talk to Michael Kay, he emphatically said, no, 
No, no. When uh, Kay asked if he if they have if they have to blow this thing up, if they have to rebuild the team. No. And I don't think that they need to rebuild the team. But we all know what this offseason is waiting for. Is Judge going to be a Yankee or is yeah. Judge not going to be a Yankee? And then what happens after that, whether he stays or whether he goes? And the last thing that came out of the press conference that kind of had me scratching my head. Trust the process. Cashman talking about, you know, not firing guys or not. Uh, moving on from guys because of the results, but like believing in guys that have a good process, I guess, you know, they show up to the ballpark, mm -hmm. uh, they're in the meetings, they're doing the right things. And I know Josh Donaldson is one of those guys. We always hear that he's taking extra swings. He's doing extra things. IKF, we know he's out there, you know, when he got demoted in, in the uh, postseason, he's out there taking extra ground balls. We know that their process is there. We would hope that their process is there. They're pro ball players. Part of being a pro ball player, you you need a, a certain level of process to do what you do. But at the end of the day, this is a results-driven business. Everything is based off results. In every other profession, well, you don't get to say, hey, well, I showed up to work on time. Uh, I, you know, I did X, Y, Z, but we didn't improve. There was no progress. We didn't hit our markers yeah. or our goals. But that wasn't about the players, okay? And that's the question that I asked. It was more about the front office and how they do things and the coaching staff, things like that, because there are turnovers at times with the coaching staff, with the medical staff, training staff, everything. But, you know, inside the front office, like how are they measured? And so that's what was his response about process. Although I guess the, the follow-up that I, I didn't get to was the idea that, okay, you know, you – here's the thing. Pro, like bad results – can come from bad processes. And if that's all lined up, then, then yeah, then you, then there are changes made, but he gave an example of Nick Swisher who the Yankees traded for in 2008 off of a very bad season in Chicago underlying numbers told you that he was not this bad, that he was the exact same player he was the year before. There were certain things with bad luck and certain things, you know, he, if he maintained his process, he would bounce back off of that year. And, I think that's part of the things of player evaluation. Um, but I, I think overall there's, I think we're all just trying to peek behind the curtain and they're not in the business of pulling the curtain back. And it's really hard to sit here and judge how they do it and what they do and how successful they are at that part of it. When all we can judge it on is the wins and losses on the field. Now, mind you, you talked about Keith being close. Okay. Close is a thing, okay, because they are closer to the World Series than they are a non-playoff team. Right. And that's important because I think there are too many people who just want everybody gone because you didn't win the World Series. And that is uh, an antiquated way of looking at it. And it is really not a very smart way of looking at it. Um, there are instances when you can make changes to even a successful team, but to simply say, they lost, get rid of everybody. And I understand that's been a little bit of a drought here. Um, and in Yankee land, that's a huge drought. Um, and I'm not against them making changes, but I'm trying to explain like why they don't, because I think it is, I think it really is a disservice to treat them as a last place team, as opposed to a team that hasn't won the world series yet. What it is, and I get this from being in circles where fans are talking about it, 
I think a lot of fans, especially my age range, millennial fans, fans that are in their 30s now, they've been expecting a World Series, right? And the Yankees are actually in a World Series drought, one of their longer World Series droughts. And when you become a Yankees fan as a kid and they're winning and they're preaching World Series for all of this time since they won one, that becomes the expectation. That becomes the standard. That is where they set the bar. And so fans are still hungry for this explanation about, you know, why haven't they got to the World Series? Why aren't they owning up to the things that we see? And they don't see it that way. There's also another level of fans that just see the business side of ticket sales and attendance yeah. and merch. And that's a, um, listen, that's a real thing. OK, I'm sorry. You're not rooting for a Sandlot team. You're not rooting for a, you know, a youth league team. This is a major business, and yeah. this is how everybody operates. Yeah, That's what you're rooting for. All I'll tell you, like, they don't I, – I, I guarantee you, you talk to enough of these people, they're not happy that they lost, okay? Gosh, but <laughs> the idea isn't that, you know, every law, every time every loss means great – I used the college exa- uh, basketball example last year, okay? You know, Duke expects to go to the Final Four every year or win a national championship. Every year they don't. They don't change their coach every year, right? Right. Um, and so that, I think that's part of it too. I I think that what it comes down to Keith is that the Yankees absolutely don't accept the result of not winning a world series. They will look at it as a quote unquote failure because that is their goal, but how they treat it moving forward. Now the fans want it to be treated moving forward by making all these crazy changes. That's where the two sides you know, diverge. They are not going to agree that massive changes. Now, the roster might have some significant changes because it did last year by the time they were all said and done. Talked about shortstop, catcher, all that stuff. Um, but the idea of everybody has to be fired when you don't win is where these two paths diverge. And I understand that. The Yankees are a winning organization. They win regular season games. They get to the postseason. There are teams that don't. So they have to react like that. The Yankees are never going to react like that. And uh, I just look at it as, hey, they view the World Series as their goal and standard, but they also view it as hard to do, like, you know, a crap And everybody does, too. Like, the Astros are not going to tell you that it was easy, okay? No. The Nationals, I'm glad the Braves, you brought up the, the Astros. Astros. not going to tell you it was easy. 